Ten years ago, on the night of October 31st, a small Midwestern town fell victim to an escaped killer. Under the cover of darkness, he carried out the most horrifying mass murder on record. Sixteen people in cold blood. Ever since that night, no one has forgotten his name. And Halloween has never been the same. Uh, that's not the opening theme to Halloween 4. No, it was uh, not. But this is the opening theme to the Awful Press movie podcast retrospective. We're returning to Halloween retrospectives. Uh, we definitely didn't record this back-to-back with Halloween 3. We definitely so. didn't waste all our energy on the Halloween 3 episode, and they are cheaply banging this one out. Wow. Wow. You know what? If that were true which I will not verify if it is or not, that would go well in line with what happened to the actual franchise. It's what happens consistently with this franchise. Now, Michael Myers has come home. He has returned for one more night of unholy terror. Halloween 4, Return of Michael Myers... Not shot by legendary cinematographer Dean Cundy. Yes. It was shot by someone named Peter Lyons Collister, who would go on to shoot Deuce Bigelow, Male Gigolo. And oh, that's why this looks so good. And the two Garfield movies, including A Tale of Two Kitties, which I think was the last thing he shot. Is he dead? I, I think he just retired. Okay. Or he's not like working uh-huh. anymore, you know? That's the movie where they tricked Bill Murray into doing it because he thought he'd be working with the Coen brothers. <laughs> I just wanted to bring that up, because I don't have a lot to say about this one, but Matt, I feel like you do. Well, all I all I really have to say is uh, this does not involve uh, John Carpenter or Deborah Hill. Um, this is the first film in the franchise they were not uh, working on, but they initially did. They initially uh, worked on a screenplay for Halloween 4. It was decided that... Hey, we should bring Michael Myers back because the third one uh, didn't do as well as they wanted. Um, so they started working on a script with a guy um, named Dennis Etchison. Um, or Dennis Etchison, Etch- whatever. Uh, he, uh, he wrote the novelization for uh, Halloween 2 and Halloween 3. And I guess uh, Deborah Hill was impressed with his work. Uh, he'd all, he's also a, a horror writer in his own right, and he's done some stuff. He's pretty good. Um, and he was brought in to write a script uh, for Halloween 4. Do you have any knowledge of this script? Uh, no, I actually do not. You don't? All right. Um, well, th- it was a really interesting setup, which was that because of the events of the first two Halloween films, uh, the town of Haddonfield has banned Halloween. It is now illegal. They don't recognize it. Uh, any celebrations from around that time, like there's like a still a school dance, but it's no longer the Halloween dance. It is just like they, there's nothing supernatural can be mentioned in it. Um, and the idea was going to be that if you try to uh, suppress something, it ends up coming back even worse. So somehow through this repression, uh, Michael Myers was going to get resurrected. Um, I'm not totally sure how it would have played out. Um, I'm, I. From all I, I from what I understand, there's a scene 
where a girl goes to like a pumpkin patch outside of town and starts picking pumpkins and that's where Michael Myers appears. I'm not sure if that's where he first appears. Uh, but somehow this repression was going to like bring back the spirit of Michael Myers. Uh, and uh, all I know is that that was the basic setup, and I guess it was going to end with like a massacre at a drive-in, which would have been interesting. Uh, I like it's an interesting setup, uh, and apparently uh, Mustafa Akkad thought it was too cerebral. Um, he didn't think that it, he thought it was too like heavy on the ideas. Oh. You know, um, not really a good scary film. And they wanted Joe Dante to direct it. I don't know if they ever reached out to him, but that was who they intended to get to direct it. Um, but at this point in the franchise, uh, when Musa Fakad was having problems with the script, John Carpenter and Deborah Hill decided, we're done with this. They sold their stake in the franchise, and this script was not a part of that. So they decided to go in a completely different direction. That's too bad. It, it sounds like a really interesting idea. It is, and I think, honestly, I think that's maybe a good one that they could do now. I think you could maybe do a Halloween for like that right now. But, yeah, it would have been interesting, but they didn't go with that. Instead, they decided to go with a film which is about uh, the daughter of Jamie Lee Curtis's character, the daughter of Laurie Strode, uh, being the new target of Michael Myers. Yeah, which you know, for what it is, that's it's a it's a setup. It definitely is. Uh, I think writing out a character like Laurie Strode, who uh, who has has a pretty pretty big fan base at RU, to make that work, you got to build it on like some really heavy story beats or like something that really resonates with people, something that with real thematic weight to it, and not just like franchise longevity. Unfortunately, that is exactly what this move is. Well, it's, it really is about that Jamie Lee Curtis won't come back, and they have to stick to this formula of Michael Myers hunting down his family, um, which was set, only set up in the second one. Uh, so because of that conceit, they had to do this. So uh, <laughs> It's just so funny and crazy to me to, like... Imagine John Carpenter pumping out the Halloween 2 script like, y'all, oh, y'all make you fucking Halloween 2. You're fucking Halloween 2. Don't make you any more sequels with Michael Myers. Fucking. Yeah, it's like an attempt to sabotage it. And they, but that doesn't stop him. Um, As God is their witness. <laughs> fucking unbelievable. <laughs> His new target is uh, Jamie Lloyd, um, played by uh, Danielle Harris, um, who I'm sure you recognize. Last Boy Scout, baby. Yeah. Hell yeah. Yeah, she did a ton of... She's been in a ton of shit. This was, like, four years before that, and she looks the same. Yeah. Um, well, you know, little kids, they age differently, I guess. Um, and uh, she's also... She was, uh, I believe, the sister on the Wild Thornberries. Oh, really? Yeah, she was the older sister. Oh, uh, okay. I remember liking that show. Yeah. Uh Fucking Tim Curry, man. All those things we just talked about are far more interesting than Halloween 4. Yeah, this is not a super interesting film. Uh, it's a pretty solid run-of-the-mill slasher film. Things happen. It has a beginning, middle, and end. <laughs> and it is 90 minutes. Oh, no, it's shorter than 90 minutes. It's like 82 minutes. Oh, really? Because there's not like not nearly enough 
going on here? Mine says 88 minutes. Oh, okay. Well, I'm still, a good chunk of that are credits. Um, yeah, there's not a ton, uh, not a ton to talk about with this one. Um, but it does start the franchise off in a new direction that we will follow through the next three films. These three, um, Halloween four, five, and six are all kind of related in a weird way. I've heard it referred to as the Loomis trilogy. It's kind of a neat way to, to put it. It should be the Jamie Lloyd trilogy, but they didn't bring her back for the sixth one. Um, well, mm. they did, but we'll get to that. Um, yeah, I mean, although the thing that I think, you know, Jamie Lloyd is the thing about this movie that really works. Like, she's a really sympathetic character. And to suddenly make your slasher franchise the main character a child, I think is a really interesting choice. I don't know, I, I, find, it, I find this one, like, kind of endearing. It's not like, it's. there's not a lot of specialness to it. There, it's not lighting the world on fire. It, it, it's pretty safe. But it's it's kind of an enjoyable film. I mean, it was always the one of the sequels when I was younger. It was the one I liked watching the most. I could see that. I liked it about as much as I liked Halloween 2. I liked this a lot more than 2. Um, mm-hmm. But 2 does have, like, Dean Cundy, like, cinematography on its side, though. Yeah. So, which, I, which, as an adult, I appreciate a lot more. It's, it's overlit as fuck. And it's just yeah. flat. You see a lot of, like, horror movies nowadays look like this. Mm. It doesn't help that uh, when they were making the ha- the Michael Myers mask, at some point, someone fucked up at some point. Oh, did they? And they made, like, a pink Michael Myers mask uh, with blonde hair, I believe. And if you watch the movie, there's actually, like, one scene where that mask makes it into the movie. Am I going to have to go back, rewatch uh-huh. it, and find this mask? It's it's the scene with Loomis in the school, like right before. I think Loomis like knocks him out a window. It's like right before that. Oh, that's wonderful. I like this movie now. And I, I listened to an interview with the director, and he was like, they, "Like someone must have asked him, but he's like, I think the reason that's in there is because one of us just wasn't paying attention. <laughs> so we we had such a little amount of time to shoot the film, and it was so late at night that someone just grabbed the wrong mask, and no one caught it. So made an entire film crew not realizing or. Not feeling brave enough to mention to someone <laughs> that you have the wrong mask on. Because um, that's also late in the production. It wasn't like this was like the first day of shooting and then they realized they had the pink mask. This was a problem that happened on day one and they had to go back and rework the masks they had. That's why it's so bright white because they just painted over this pink. And that's why the mask has such a weird look in this one. It looks like it has no nose. It's not, not, not great. It's a very dopey looking mask. It says something that Michael Myers looks a lot cooler when he doesn't, he just has those bandages on. I like the idea that he has been basically in a coma since Halloween 2, that the explosion kind of, he hasn't woken up since. I like that. Yeah, that's kind of neat. Because like by this point, our discussion about like how this was a person at one point, you know, is gone. It's completely gone at this point. So you kind of like do have to make something else happen. This is why Holy these like middle three are always so weird because the franchise can't decide is Michael Myers human, is he an idea, or is he like an actual supernatural being? Yeah, which is why I think that that story you told me about uh, the original script for Halloween 4 is a really interesting idea because it does make him an idea. And the idea is about um, not confronting like uh, a town's dark history, which could be a. Uh, uh, a good metaphor for like confronting mm. fears and like 
coming out the other side stronger or not coming out the other side stronger. Yes. <laughs> you know, a recurring thing in this franchise. But uh, that sounds far more compelling than like he just wants to kill again. Although we find the end of this movie totally reworks how you watch it. Uh, which it yeah. does, I will say, we'll get to it, but this it does have a great ending. That's the one thing I, I was taken back by. That That's a very good ending. You can't really do anything with, but... It's a it's a hell of an ending. Uh, oh yeah, I guess we should say. Uh, so I said, uh, Michael Myers has been in a coma since the explosion that uh, nearly killed him and Doctor Loomis, who also apparently lived. Uh, we'll, he has a scar in his we'll, face. We'll get into him and his scars. <laughs> He's back at a uh, Smith's Groves, uh, the hospital, and this is the one where it really starts to creep in that there's something up with Smith's Grove. <laughs> You know, the way he's being treated and the way the the doctor who puts him in the back of the ambulance, look the way he looks at Michael Myers being taken away, uh, hint at a bigger story going on, uh, which has always been one that, like, fans have thought of and uh, I think might be on my mind more now for reasons. <laughs> um, but, of course, Michael Myers wakes up in the ambulance. I believe after he hears, after someone around him mentions that he now has a niece... Um, is when he finally wakes up. I know you mentioned that the producer wanted to to keep him around. Like a, he needs to be uh, flesh and blood. He needs to be a human being. Yes, but he's basically supernatural by this point. So it's very funny to me that that why all the, these the, the real were, reason is why that they didn't go through. I don't version. even think the producer specifically wanted him to be human. He just wanted him to be understandable enough for the audience. If you do take honestly, I think. Part of the reaction we're seeing to the current Halloween one is people not realizing that Michael Myers is like kind of an idea. Um, for people, there's only it's either or, either he's human or he's supernatural. There's not like this third option, which is really where Michael Myers exists. Um, and so this movie kind of decides not to take a clear stand. It tries to be agnostic on the reason <laughs> Michael Myers is indestructible. That's a good way of putting it. Um, Oh, this is the movie. I think this might be the film where Michael Myers starts beating people to death, which will become kind of a staple of the franchise. Like, the kills aren't that great either. This is where it kind of starts getting into more traditional slasher. Well, this is where it's like a traditional slasher film, but it doesn't have the imagination of Nightmare on Elm Street, and it doesn't have the gore of uh, Friday the 13th. It's, 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 it really is people making these movies who don't totally get what made the original work. Like, there's no real attempt at suspense in this film. Um, but there is an attempt to not be horrifically violent, which, but then you just end up with nothing. <laughs> so, I will say, though, there are moments of this that I really enjoy. Well, I mean, Dr. Loomis is back. Michael! <laughs> here to kill that little girl and anybody who gets in his way and i i should say he is straight up ahab in this we're introduced <laughs> with him where you hear him you hear his cane so you hear like the limp um which is you know ahab that's a you you only hear him walking on the decks initially and you know he's every day i look in the mirror and every day i remember and he's seeing the scars that he left on himself in his pursuit of Michael Myers. And in this, you know, he's Michael Myers is the white whale. Maybe that's why the mask is so white in this one. Oh, well, uh, hey, hey, hey. This is, this is just the beginning of Loomis completely losing it. Um, 
<laughs> and he doesn't get super crazy in this. He does kidnap a child, basically, at one point. <laughs> um, this is more where he's like, we got to stop Michael Myers. I know where he's going. And just no one believing him um, until it's too late. Like, the sheriff doesn't believe Loomis until the entire police force is killed. Which I would have liked to have seen. This was after Terminator, so maybe that's why they were like, ah, eh, don't do it. But I think if they would have wanted to rip off movies, you want to rip off something as good as Terminator. We get kind of a moment like that later where Michael Myers is on the back of the truck. Uh, which is I is it a moment I enjoy when he's wiping out the militia. Yeah, okay, okay you know what? That's kind of fun. I do like that... This drunken militia shows up, and he's like, with no police force, we're all you got. And Loomis is like, these men might be the only people who can protect Hattonfield. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it really is, it is, again, like Ahab. Ahab has traveled around the world and is keeping the crazy whale hunters beneath the ship. So now, you know, the professionals are gone. We have this militia <laughs> on the loose. Um, who basically, they all get masked. They kill an innocent person. <laughs> They mow down an innocent person at one point and then are basically all killed in the back of a pickup truck later, um, which is another, which is a moment I really enjoy. In my notes, I put rednecks to the rescue. Yes. So. We should mention uh, uh, Bo Starr, uh, who plays Sheriff Meeker, is in this, and he was uh, Henry Hill's father in Goodfellas. How about that? That's a really good movie. Yeah. It's not this film. No, no, no. No, it's not. Just thought I'd bring it up. He's in the he's in this in the next one, so I thought it'd be uh, worth mentioning. I also do kind of like uh, Rachel Carruthers, uh, the girl. Her kind of minor story of not having sex with her boyfriend. You know, like uh, you hear John Carpenter talk about like the original film has a lot of like uh, maybe criticism even about how like the the one character who remains a virgin is the one that survives. And he was like, no, nah, I just wanted to showcase that, like, you know, the other kids were being normal. Lori's depressed. Mm-hmm. It wasn't like some holy virgin that deserved to live or anything. It's just she was going through a thing, and that's what happened. Uh, he wasn't trying to make a statement about, like, sexuality. Well, this one, it's not really, like, anti... It's not super anti-sex. Because, like, the you know, Rachel wants to have sex with her boyfriend. <laughs> She's just kind of... It's just kind of awkward. Um, so I, I think it, it, it's probably just, you know, they don't, no one else knows how to write teenage girls. Like, there's no That's other That's probably it. To it. Like, she might as well. And no, that's no, the movie. I mean, there's, it's, there's not a time. More, um, there's a part where Jamie Lloyd gets yelled at for being an orphan. The kids are fucked up, but I think... Even I don't know. They, you they never know. I, I, had, I went to a pretty good school, but then again, I was never a target of bullying, really. Like, like even when I was, it was always like, ah, you're a nerd. And I'm like, well, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, that's not... Um, so, but here they're like, yeah, you're an orphan, orphan, orphan. <laughs> and they make her cry, and that kind of encourages her to go... She wants to go trick-or-treating. It, I will say, it does kind of... You know, you don't know where this plot is going really which is kind of the problem um but it is suddenly hinting at where it's going with her like slowly accumulating you know the clown costume yeah that's something to to think on in retrospect but there's a difference between like misdirection which this movie kind of tries to tackle and then straight up not having yeah that's like 
any direction. That's the problem. There's just not enough. I mean, really, we're, we're kind of like, there's there's a struggle to really talk about what happens. Like, you're going to talk about a girl gets a shotgun shoved through her. Um, the boyfriend doesn't make it. Uh, Dr. Loomis kidnaps the girl at one point, kidnaps the little girl. But there really just isn't much to it. There is a there is a uh, a preacher at one point. Oh yeah, that was, that was kind of silly. And played by a character actor uh, you would recognize. He was in a uh, Pee Wee's Big Adventure. I did not recognize him. You didn't? I don't know what the guy's name is. Uh, but he's been in a lot of stuff. Look, we gotta we gotta talk about stuff off topic, or else we're not even gonna make it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know, I know. <sighs> uh, but he's in it. He's a preacher, and he says he does say something kind of hinting at. Uh, the original where he says, you can't kill damnation, mister. It don't die like a man dies. Which is also, again, another Moby Dick reference, kind of about, you know, the other ships warning Ahab about his pursuit of Moby Dick. But Ahab believing that uh, the prophecy of his death will not be fulfilled. Oh, can we talk about how Dr. Loomis is just like in full-on action hero mode in this one? Oh yeah, he's like running around fighting shit. He blows up. He blows up a gas station. Yeah, <laughs> it's so weird because uh, he he's introduced as being injured and kind of you know he's kind of been crippled by his previous experience, but he's also like doing action movie shit in this one that he was not doing in the previous films. <laughs> and someone pointed out recently to me that uh, it is not women that are the target of Michael Myers more in these films. It's it's if you're a gas station attendant. <laughs> <laughs> like it, they get killed in like every one of these movies <laughs> if you're an auto mechanic you're fucking dead well because he needs his suit to go to work yeah he needs that he's lucky they're always blue <laughs> <laughs> like he kills a dude who like has a beige on he's like ah oh, fuck he's like fuck <laughs> it's the only time michael myers talks oh you know what i did thought i thought was kind of interesting there was a uh, uh, scott snyder's run on batman uh, a little too tryhard at being dark, I think, but uh, I really liked when the Joker returns in that story for, like, like uh, this arc that reminded me of Seven. And he doesn't show up in his clown costume. He shows up in a workman's outfit because he's going back to work on Gotham City. The problem is that someone in another comic had, had the Joker cut his face off, and that was really lame. I think that was him, too. No, no, that wasn't Scott Snyder. Oh, that wasn't? It wasn't. It was oh, someone shit, else, because I remember that was like, because uh, I think Scott Snyder had Batman, and the other person had Detective, and it happened in Detective Comics. That was right when I bailed on DC Comics, though. That was, That's fair. Yeah. I bailed on pretty much like all comics now, and now I feel free. It is, yeah, it is a very freeing thing. Comics are not, indie comics are worth money, but. Actually, you know what? I'm full of shit, because I'm going to get yeah, the yeah. Alien 3 well, adaptation when it comes out. Good for Dark Horse. Yeah. I'm just not that guy anymore. I can't like. I just won't. I wouldn't get anything out of it. That's fair. Got to grow up at some point, or you angry at women online. <laughs> <laughs> you know what comics need to do? Stop. <laughs> <laughs> well, yes. <laughs> That's my answer to everything. Like it's all been going on too long. Stop. Well, yeah, stop. <laughs> stop. And then when you think you can come back for a reboot in like a decade, think again. Still stop. And then maybe in 25, 30 years, come back with, like, a great lineup following new continuity. Don't worry about crossovers unless there's, like, an artist or someone with, like, a really great pitch. 
And also, don't hire fucking creeps. Comics fucking in general assholes. are just an outdated form of entertainment. It's hard to make comics as in, like, you know, the, the, the business model that keeps it going just doesn't exist anymore. That's why indie comics are much better, and but they're, you know, they're not giant money makers. But the only way for superhero comics to sustain themselves is to, you know, keep doing big crossovers. And, like, yeah. nobody fucking likes them anymore. But the big problem, you know, is diversity in comics. That's the problem. <laughs> so now women are in it. How dumb do you have to fucking be? Like, how fucking dumb? <laughs> I, I'm just... Hey, Matt, come on. Let's look at both sides of the argument. Like, I they just get don't want it. their like, politics and their stories. Stanley was, like, very, like, neoliberal centrist in his politics, but he was still very outspoken about his politics in an era where, you know, even suggesting that black people should have equal rights was, like, a radical notion. Hey, and Luke Cage is just a bulletproof black man. There's nothing political about it. that. There's nothing political about a bulletproof black man. In Harlem, how do you like? Just how dumb are you? I don't. I just don't understand the world. It's like the, you know, it's that two Americas thing where it's like there's a whole like. I, I'm always brought back to who's the guy who created the wire? I think Dave Simon is his name. Yeah, David Simon. David Simon. Like he had a quote that was like one of those like, oh yeah, um, where he said someone's watching all of that fucking American Idol shit. And I'm like, yeah, <laughs> he's kind of right. I mean, someone's watching it. And it's just like, like, I just don't know where these people are coming from. Because it's, it's, it's just not a world I've ever seen of people, like, get the politics out of whatever. Like, even when I was against certain politics in comics, which, like, you know, when I was an annoying teenager, I it was more just I didn't like the... I, at least I understood I didn't like the politics themselves, you know? Like, it wasn't like I was against the very idea of politics. <laughs> I, like, I mean, even as a kid, on some level, I understood that work is political. Eh, whatever. Well, it's kind of mm. like when I first saw Elysium, you know, and I was like, oh, That's the, the politics. least of that film's problems. <laughs> no, yeah, you know, like, the politics are heavy-handed, and it's just like, mm. shit, I just want to watch a movie, and it's like... It's just, it's just a mess, but, like, it's got a... It, the message is fine. Yeah, yeah, no, 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 that, that movie's, like, like a mess <laughs> yeah yeah but i mean blumkamp has got he's a very political filmmaker at the end of the day and it's politics i tend to agree with i just don't tend to like the film <laughs> god damn i watched i fucking did like a, i took a science fiction class in high school and uh we watched district nine in the class uh, it, it oh, does but the fun. teacher i don't know what maybe the teacher like enjoyed like torturing the class or something this woman, I don't remember her name. She was kind of a jerk. Um, but uh, the volume was so loud. Like, it was louder than being in the movie theater watching it. And it was like, when that movie like gets to like the end where it's just like violence, It was. I just remember, like, I've never <laughs> been able to revisit like District 9 because of it. It was like such an intense experience. And I also watched it. It's also interesting when like the vibe of the room is very different. Because I'm watching with people who have not been exposed to that kind of violence. And like a man just like explodes. Yeah, like everyone's exploding. The guy, like the one dude, like our protagonist's body is like going all Cronenberg. And 
It's like, <laughs> it's just a fucking, it was, you know, I don't know what vi- what the science behind vibes, but there's something to it because it really, there was a weird vibe watching that movie. And it's not the first time I've had that with a group, you know? I did have, we did also watch Psycho in a film studies class and because of how it worked, we uh, stopped it before anything really happened. Um, you know, for a break, and some kid was like, I don't get it, what's so scary? And I, that guy sticks out in my brain to this day. <laughs> yeah. Can't imagine uh, why. Not in like an angry way, it's just like, a, huh, you've made it through life without hearing about Psycho? I did watch Psycho with someone who had never seen it. Like, never knew, like, didn't know. Oh. Was, oh, I yearn for an experience like that. They weren't scared, but they were like, whoa, Really? <laughs> <laughs> they did get scared. The one they did get scared by the staircase scene, um, which is a genuinely frightening moment. Which they would repeat in two of the sequels. Yep, Martin Martin Balsam. That's a great movie. I watched the sequels recently. Oh, really? Uh, not four yet. You don't need to see uh, four. I don't. Eh. It's like everyone's kind of phoned in on that oh. one. That's too bad. Um, but hey, you know what? There's more to it than people give credit for. Um, Mick Garris, ladies and gentlemen. Mick Garris, who did the Stand series, uh, miniseries, I believe. How was that? Um, it's fine. It's not the it's not the book, but it's fine. You can't do that book though, because it's like fucking every Stephen King book has the worst ending imaginable. <laughs> <laughs> That's why like you had to change The Shining, because like it just doesn't work. But <laughs> um, anyway, that's Halloween Four. <laughs> yeah. Um. I guess we should just fuck it. Let's just talk about oh, the ending God. and end this. Yeah. Um, uh, the... Oh, and then I have one more thing after that. Okay. No, 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 no. Uh, is it something not related to the ending? It, it it's related to the whole movie. It's just uh, I want to know, like, like who could have done like at least like a visually inventive job with this? Because like Psycho Two is generally like pretty good. Psycho Three is not great. But, like, the direction is, like, insane. Yeah. And kind of fun. And so, like, if someone like Anthony Perkins came in and, like, directed Halloween 4, you know, like, it would have been crazy. That'd be amazing. That could, Anthony Perkins, I, I would have liked that. Um, but that didn't happen. No, no. Filmmaking is, like, the worst it's been up to this point. It's it's just very by the book. It just, it, it's Again, it's Halloween minus any attempt at suspense. That's the weird thing. It's not even that it's shot badly. It's just there's no attempt to make it more, you know? And that's probably because they had fucking no time and no money to make this. And you probably had, you know, Donald Pleasance for like three days again. Aw. Through all these, he remains very good. Yes, even though he just keeps... He is just a quality actor. Gets, keeps getting more and more insane. And I don't know if the franchise realizes, like, how crazy he's gotten. Like, I, I never know where the films actually fall, like, on how they view Loomis. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Because at some point, it becomes very obvious that he's more of a problem than a help. <laughs> and I think that might be because the ending of this movie broke his brain. <laughs> which is, at the end of the movie, uh, Michael Myers gets shotgunned to death and falls down a mine shaft. <laughs> um... Which is in, an interesting way to... Like, it's it's very much a death that isn't... Like, you know he didn't really die. Um, but before you shotgun to death, he uh, he uh, has a moment with uh, Jamie Lloyd, his new target. Uh, 
and she gets away and they bring her home and everything seems all right. And then, but then something strange happens. Uh, we see the point of view of some unknown killer and this killer kills uh, Jamie's uh, foster mother in the bathtub. And it's revealed that it was Jamie herself and she's in the clown mask and Michael Myers' evil has passed on to Jamie. And the movie ends with Dr. Loomis about to shoot a child <laughs> <It's> <laughs> before uh, he is stopped and him just screaming, no, over and over again. <laughs> with, as this girl holds a bloody pair of scissors, fucking cut to black, the end. <laughs> I want to have been in the audience seeing that on opening night. It's a great ending. I mean, oh yeah, it's the elevation that this movie desperately needed the whole runtime. <laughs> oh fuck yeah, it would be a shame if that was never capitalized. It's a shame on. If they really have no fucking idea what to do next. <laughs> that would be a huge bummer, because this revitalizes the franchise. Yeah, it's a huge hit. Yeah, because how do you deal? You get to see how Loomis would handle the situation again. Yeah, like in when he's truly in no capacity to like. To deal with this again. We're going to see the rise of evil yes. on a child. So you know what would be a good thing to do right now? Rush a sequel into production and it has to be out by next year. <laughs> do we have a script? Oh, fuck no. Oh, God. Who's going to be next? Halloween 4, the return of Michael Myers. Maybe nobody knows how to stop him. Matt, where can people find you? I'm at EmperorOTN at Twitter.com. And you, you can too. find me at D-E-G-O Waffles, uh, Twitter.com, uh, Waffle Press, links in the description, SoundCloud, YouTube, like, if you liked it, if you liked it more than Halloween 4, uh, this movie was kind of exhausting. Thanks for listening. Thanks for watching. We've been professionally unprofessional. It was, I'm not sure if exhausting is the right word. This, this Trying to find something to talk about was exhausting. <laughs>